0: Hi, I'm Kalena Tano. And I'm Jane Frischia. And this is On the Other Foot, a no-holds-barred look at the world of dance.
1: Each week, we bring you a podcast on nutrition, lifestyle, and mental health for regular people
0: who happen to dance. Every Tuesday, we're going to take on a topic in the dance world that isn't spoken about enough and approach it honestly for our listeners. Isn't that nice of us? So in case you missed part one of this interview, today we're here with Karina Gill, former Boston Ballet demi-soloist. Karina and I grew up dancing at the same studio in different generations and it has been super enlightening to hear about similar experiences to my own childhood dancing at SCB. In this half of our interview we're going to turn our focus to the transition from small studio life into bigger career steps such as college at UC Irvine and getting offers from companies like Los Angeles Ballet and Boston Ballet. So Jane. Okay
1: so I'm going to actually make this a two-part question if that's okay. I would love to hear Oh, it's not a two-part question. I just can't read. For everyone listening at home, I don't know how to read. We Basically, we'd just really love to know what your decision to go to college looked like and then if you want to start getting a little bit into what your post-college looked like and if you want to discuss any of those four years in between. It's totally up
2: to you. So the decision for me to go to college wasn't so much of a a choice as it was um, just something I was going to (laughs) do. And that was kind of impressed upon me since childhood, growing up, you graduate with high grades, you go to college, and then you get a job and you do, you know, you become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. (laughs) I kind of came to a deal with my dad, who um, really he just this all of this came from a desire for me to be taken care of, which is awesome. So the deal I struck with him was, I'm going to go to college, and but I'm going to go to college for dance. So I'm going to get a degree, but it's going to be a dance degree. So he was like, okay, maybe she'll change her mind halfway, and she'll you know get into biology instead, <laughs> which didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so my path through there. I graduated high school a little early, largely thanks to my mom pushing me through my studies. She was one of my teachers, actually. So this gave me an early start to college. I was 16 when I started college at UC Irvine. And then after a year, I joined San Diego Ballet and did community college on the side. Then I went back and completed my studies at UC Irvine while doing guestings here and there. Fresh out of graduation, I spent a summer in Manhattan dancing with Elliot Feld's Ballet Tech. That wasn't for me, so I came back to SoCal. And it also wasn't for me because I had a motivation to get married right after. So, And he was in California, so I needed to come back from New York. Um, uh, so I got married, and then soon after, I joined the fabulous crew at Ballet Pacifica. And when they folded, a couple years later, I joined State Street Ballet and was dancing on the beach. That was awesome. At the time, my husband and I were doing long distance, which I never recommend for a relationship. So eventually I decided I'd have to leave State Street Ballet, even though I was really happy there. Fortunately... Los Angeles Ballet was just forming, and I was able to grab a job there, which was where my husband was living. I spent three amazing years there dancing some of the best things I've ever done, and I don't think that I ever would have left if Boston Ballet hadn't just fallen into my lap at that time. What was your other question?
1: I think I think that about sums it up beautifully. Yeah. What a, what a lovely post-high school story. I mean, I'm sure there were parts... If you, it, everyone has parts that aren't lovely, but from Vita, you know, that sounds really nice. It sounds like Ooh, uh, a, a life worth details. admiring.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like a life worth admiring, which is why we have <laughs> Thank you on. You.
0: <laughs> yeah, like Jane was saying, like, it's kind of interesting as current college students to hear from people who have had really similar college experiences as us. Like, kind of like I was saying, I did a year of college and then left to dance professionally for a year and then went back to college kind of like exactly how you did. So it's interesting for me and I know for Jane too, when we talk to everybody, we've talked to a lot of UCI alums, and it's very interesting to hear about all of the different, how different everybody's journeys are, even though we often have pretty much every guest we get on here, Jane or I have something in common with. So even from those common starting points, The pathways that we take are so crazy and different, but also kind of similar and parallel. And it's always just interesting to hear. Sometimes my favorite part is hearing about just, like, people's kind of life story progressions and things like that. So, yeah, thank you. And so I kind of um, got into this a little bit in the last episode that we were recording. But one thing that I personally noticed when I went from a studio company at SCB to a traineeship with City Ballet of San Diego was that having a company above the school kind of makes a big difference in the hierarchy of the programs. So what self changes did you have to make to kind of adjust from being a big fish in a smaller pond to be cliche to being kind of a small fish in a bigger pond?
2: Well for one thing I had to adjust my self perception. It's easy to have a high opinion of yourself in, you know, small small pond situations. Um, think of the scene in center stage where the director says to all the students that you're nobody's here. (laughs) Such a great movie. (laughs) Secondly, I had to figure out how to stand out all on my own and not just stand out. I had to be my own motivator. I had to be my own teacher during class, self-correct. Because there isn't anybody pushing you or coaching you or personally helping you succeed in a company, in a big company. You have to do it yourself. Unless you're God's gift to dance already. And then you just stand out. And I did see that happen frequently at Boston Ballet, actually. Just when you think you're getting somewhere and moving up, someone amazing steps into the room and you immediately get lost in the shadows all over again. And then when that happens, you have to have... The mental fortitude to understand and accept what has just happened, uh, but then to reinvent yourself somehow and get back out of the shadows.
0: Yeah, I think that, like, definitely anybody who knew me in high school would listen to what you just said and laugh really hard because if anybody knew me in high school, I was the big fish of the small <laughs> pond <laughs> and I, I like look back at like things that I posted and ways that I talked and ways that I talked to people and ways that I acted and I'm just like oh my gosh like I really thought I was yeah. all that of Rancho Bernardo. <laughs> but you look back and then you're in a professional career and you're like oh my god I really used to really used to yeah, think like that. I huh? think we all have but those
2: little stories I definitely
0: I went through Yeah, so I went through that a lot too when I got into the professional atmosphere. Not even just like, like I wasn't the kind of person who like, Walked into City Ballet on the first day and was like, Just so you know, I'm the best dancer here. Like, I wasn't outwardly like that, but I think my self perception I don't think, Jane, I don't think I was like that. Kelena I hope was I wasn't. not like that. We were all
1: in a very uh, new environment to all of us. We were all just trying to do our best. I honestly don't know what Clementa was talking about. Out of all of us, she was probably the least that way. Like, I definitely had that. As I came to City Ballet from an even smaller studio where I was definitely like, like a big fish there and so it's like every single step I feel like sometimes you just get knocked down a peg but you sometimes being knocked down a peg is healthy and like Karina said it develops your mental fortitude to deal with the fact that you are not God's gift to dance as most people are not and arguably no one is people just get treated that way
2: (laughs) well said
0: (laughs) yeah I mean outwardly I was not like that but I think that in terms of self-perception and I'm exaggerating I think at least a little bit but it's I had to really get used to that idea of teaching myself having to not not that I wasn't used to earning things I've always worked really hard but getting used to having to work 20 times harder than the person next to you and as somebody who was also really young in the company that I was in having to deal with being told that I was too young and having to be told that I had these limitations that, you know, we're just saw the limitations in the ballet world. There are things like experience and age and things like that, that maybe I didn't deal with as much in a studio company that age only varies by four years or three years. And, you know, the company is so small that everybody kind of ends up dancing equally to this like idea of like, wow, I'm not in this rep. I'm, I'm not going to dance for like three months other than class. Like, Having to deal with those things, and there's so many things that you don't think about in high school that when you get into the professional world, anybody goes through a big transition in learning how to deal with. But I think definitely the big fish to small in small pond to small fish in big pond is a big, big mental kind of transformation that you go through that ends up being really good for you in the end, but does take a long time to get. I have used
1: a piggyback to. question off this question for Karina, which is like you were kind of talking about how you think that you've like built yourself up and then someone steps in and they're just incredible and you have to learn to deal with that but how do you learn to deal with casting when it seems random when it's like what are they doing why is this happening what were they on when this cast list was created like how do you um I I don't know if it happened like that and anywhere you dance but it's definitely happened like that at a couple of places I've danced how did you personally build up the mental fortitude to deal with the fact that some things are just random
2: yeah it definitely happened to me all the time and I think that you know unfortunately there's a lot of this is where a lot of negativism comes in in the dance world and dancers uh in order to make themselves feel better, kind of cope with the situation, will often turn to each other and kind of talk about it, and um, maybe not in a very healthy way. And um, when ultimately there's there's nothing you can do about it, and talking to each other like that about somebody else or about the staff is is unhelpful. And uh, but this is this is a, this is just I think a learning curve we all go through it is trying to um, see the positive in things and trying to um, maybe instead of taking a negative approach to it, maybe you say, okay, well, I have to change my approach. What do I have to do differently to get the part that um, I think I should have gotten in this casting? And also an honest part of it would be going to talk to artistic staff and ask them, honestly, why? Why did this or that happen? And what can I do so it doesn't happen next time? Or is there a way that, you know, maybe I can just learn the part or even if I don't perform it? And I think those things are really helpful to, um, instead of just, just talking about it and spiraling downward, to actually approach it and think how to change it in the future or what you can learn from it.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that talking to the artistic staff is an option. Um, And I also really appreciate how introspective you are and how positive, uh, how clear it is that one of your goals in dancing was like being in a positive environment or at least being someone that creates a positive environment. Um, Because I remember like growing up thinking like you don't talk about casting, you don't talk to the people who cast you. Um, And I remember being around like 16 when I learned that like you can actually have healthy conversations with the people who are casting you and you can create um, your own opportunities. And so I just think that it's going to be really great for people that hear you like a really accomplished 20 year career professional dancer say that that is actually something you can do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not just about talking it's not about complaining to artistic I just want to make sure that's clear you know you don't go in there and be like I should have gotten this part and blah yeah, blah blah you know that's that's not helpful <laughs> but actually to have a mature conversation with them about it right instead of barging in there I think that's the difference yeah I think it's a very learned
0: skill something that I personally was really really scared to do for a long time but me I'm sure that everybody's like this but like certainty is something that's really important for me and like knowledge and usually if some even if I have a challenge in the way as long as I know everything about it like even if maybe I didn't get a role that I wanted to as long as I can get an answer and have something to work on I'll be okay with it and not really struggle with it so for me being able to have that communication and get answers like that is like so important and it's definitely a learned skill and it's something that's really scary to do but I definitely see as a very pivotal thing that I had to learn after graduating high school. Okay, so we are now going to throw this one to our mid-episode break, and we will be back in just a moment talking with Karina Gill. Hi, Kalena here. Before we get back into this amazing interview, I wanted to take a moment to talk about how you can support On the Other Foot. If you haven't yet, be sure to check us out on our Patreon, which is linked from our website and Instagram. Patrons receive extra VIP benefits like free merch, early access to episodes, and in-episode credit for supporting our podcast. Thank you, patrons, for your continuing support of our pod. All right, everybody, we are back. We are going to finish the final piece of this interview. And so, Jane, your turn.
1: <laughs> um, so before the break, we, were, we got your opinion just on kind of some stances of like, how to keep a positive environment throughout your career. Um, And we were talking about, I think it's gonna be great that especially our younger listeners hear that. Um, But you have been doing quite a bit of working with younger dancers. Recently, you have incorporated (laughs) teaching quite a few master classes, summer intensive courses and other guest workshops with Southern California Ballet. How has that experience felt? And like, do you see familiar attitudes and aspirations in this younger generation of dancers Um, And how do they kind of remind you of yourself?
2: I cannot tell you how wonderful it's been to be back. It's such a strange and exhilarating feeling to step back into those studios. (laughs) There's a ton of memories that just come flooding back. And there's something also so wonderful about Martha and Toby being the directors now and me being there to guest teach the younger generation. And it's super strange because I still feel like the same little girl that used to dance there, but now I'm there in a different capacity, obviously. So it's full circle. Very, very fulfilling. And yeah, there are so many similarities. It's like staring at a time portal. You know, the things that we talked about before, just the the familial little little things that happen, both good and bad. I can kind of pick up on some of them that happen <laughs> when, I, um, when I teach the, the kids there. Um, and but it's still oh and and you can just see like kind of the the worries on people's faces and the excitement when something goes well and all of those things the triumphs and the sorrows you know those are all the same from generation to generation it's cool to see them and to be able to to get help guide
0: yeah that's something that for me I mean I only took a year that I wasn't like constantly in the studios I basically have existed there since I was ten until now but kind of. I don't teach the older girls so much, but I teach the really little ones that are like the age of like when I started dancing. And even them, just like little things, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember that. And like with my, some of them are like nine and 10, so they're kind of at the age where they start learning what gossiping is and how to like be friends with that you can like, you don't have to be friends with everybody in your ballet class. And like, it's like funny to me in like a kind of parental way. Like, it's, they shouldn't be doing that but at the same time I come out of class and I'm like oh my gosh I remember how horrible that was and just kind of seeing it and being like oh my gosh you guys have no idea (laughs) you know and it is very like full circle and kind of crazy the way that a kind of family based studio like that can cycle throughout the years and kind of the different like parental figures that are kind of just tropes of a ballet studio that are always there and the ways that those people do change through generations but the kind of atmosphere is always the same and I kind of like wrote that question with the thought of that because for me, like, it's something that it's only been a few years. So I haven't, I don't really know if it's a big difference or if it's just kind of like, yeah, this is within my generation still. But from somebody who's definitely like went and had a full career and then come back and still, like, everything is kind of, it's just like walking into like your childhood yeah. bedroom once yeah, you, yeah, it's been totally there for a like that. Like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> mm hmm. For sure. And like even I'll like run into people that I used to dance with, people who come back and visit. And I'm I'm there every weekend, but people will come in and take Saturday class and I'll like see my friends from high school and be like, oh my gosh, hello. <laughs> it kind of is that same like rush of memories when I get to see people like that just kind of walking through the studios. And yeah, it's I definitely see that. So kind of just going off of that for kind of those dancers and the next generation that we talked about in the last question, what kind of would your advice be? And I know that's kind of a super umbrella general statement to make, but what challenges did you face in your journey to Boston Ballet and Los Angeles Ballet that you think other dancers from local studios might also experience? And kind of how did you navigate those and would recommend
2: kind of navigating them? Um, So first I would say, that you need to figure out exactly what you want from life, from dance. Um, and, and this is a really hard task for youngsters, and it may, the answer may evolve over time, and that's okay. But you should try to start with a goal and try to make the goal as specific as possible so that you have something to aim for. But then also be flexible if it doesn't work out and be able to redirect your route. Being flexible means that your mind and your heart must be strong enough to take the disappointments and not lose resolve. Uh, Next, be real with yourself and your expectations for yourself. Don't live in a fantasy world. But lastly, never let anybody tell you what you can't do. Um, If they do have good intentions, listen to them and understand what they are telling you. But you don't need to accept it as absolute truth. It may mean that you need to adjust your approach or seek extra help to achieve your goal. For me personally, I had a lot of people telling me what I couldn't do during my career in Boston because I had three hip surgeries and a c-section. If I had listened to them, I would have retired years before I did and I never would have been promoted. So um, I I remember actually my boss telling me once the odds are against you and I quoted Star Wars to him and I said never tell me the odds (laughs) (laughs) the original Star Wars (laughs) that's a good
0: one yes (laughs) yeah I think that that's a really really important distinction is that the difference between somebody saying like no you can't do that versus feedback like The difference between somebody trying to restrict you and somebody trying to give you feedback. I feel like there's a lot of people who it's really good. They have a really solid mindset that's like nobody's going to tell me what to do. Like I'm going to live my own life. I'm not going to like let people get in the way or anything. But I do think that it's very important that sometimes you have these guidance figures like teachers who maybe will say I don't think you're going to be able to do that if you don't maybe focus your work towards this. And I think that Moments like those are really important, especially when you have a really solid goal that you're trying to get to and you really want, because maybe sometimes you are looking the wrong direction and all you need to do is just turn left a couple times and then you'll be there and you're fine. And even though there are people out there who you really should not listen to because they'll try to say, oh, you can't do that. You shouldn't go for that. You're not going to be able to do that. Once you are able to kind of see past that and be able to recognize the difference between that and somebody just trying to maybe give you some feedback and give you some pointers along the way, like, that's something that I know for me has been really pivotal in figuring out, like, what I want to do and getting myself where I want to be.
2: Yeah, it's important also for teachers to learn that distinction, feedback versus, you know, telling people things like that, so... That's something that I've learned as well. Yeah, I've had that experience too.
1: Yeah, we have an episode coming out this season where we talk a little bit about things that not in a negative light, but just things sometimes teachers do that I don't think they realize comes off a certain way. And yeah, you just, you just keep saying things that really hit the brand of our podcast. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> but I also really, I just want to, for the, for the younger dancers, because this is ultimate, that's ultimately like who me and Kalena have this in mind when we do these podcasts. Um, I think what you said about having a goal, but being flexible is God, I wish someone had told me that earlier because like I had a goal. Like I remember being very young and just really, 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 really wanting to go to SAB. Like just laser focused on whatever I needed to do to change myself, to get into that summer program. And obviously my life has changed quite a bit and I had to learn to be flexible, but I think for younger dancers to hear that it is okay to have to go through disappointments and that you are expected to be flexible because unfortunately, not getting what you want or getting what you want and not having it really be what you wanted is not only a part of life, but also a part of ballet. So thank you for highlighting that. Thank you also for just this lovely interview for giving us your time we know you have a small child um my i'm the oldest of four siblings i have seen my mom uh raise three children and having a small child and giving us an hour and a half of your time is no small feat so thank you so much um everyone that was my pleasure thank you everyone that was karina gill former boston ballet demi soloist all-around lovely person and lovely interviewee. Uh, Karina, again, thank you so much for your time and words. Uh, You can watch for Karina teaching masterclasses in the San Diego area this summer. Uh, Thank you again, and thank you everyone for listening.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of On the Other Foot. We want to connect with you on days other than Tuesday, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at otherfoot.pod. And visit our website to learn more about how On the Other Foot started and join our mailing list. If you have any questions for me and Jane, or would like to suggest a topic or guest, email us at ontheotherfoot.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: And please, subscribe! It makes a huge difference to us. We want to offer you all discount codes and annoy you with sponsorship ads, and we cannot do that unless
0: you subscribe. So please, do it now. And above all, thanks for listening. It really means a lot to us. We hope you tune in to On the Other Foot next week for more conversation on the world of dance.